everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. And we did it. We have recorded every single day of the week. We have put out a show every single day of the week. Give yourself a round of applause, Logan. I mean, I'm holding a microphone, so I'm not going to give myself a round of applause, but I'm going to tap my chest a little bit. In a congratulatory way, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's been... It's been fun doing these hour-long shows uh, every single day of the week. We have done a couple early in the day, and then we did one late at night on Wednesday. Not late at night, but later in the evening. Around 5 o'clock or 6 is when we started recording that one. Didn't get it out until around 7. But today, here on this July 17th edition of the Logan Blackman Show, we have done it. A full week of recording a show without missing a day. Almost missed Wednesday, but we didn't because I was like, ah, I just announced that we're going to start recording every single week, every single day of the week. We're going to release a show every single day of the week. I can't go out and then just not release a show on Wednesday, even though I really did not feel like releasing a show on Wednesday after I got back from work. But today we're here. It's 816 in the morning right now, and we are ready to do Another Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Now, we missed last Friday, so we did not get to our top five dumbest. We did not get to do a Friday fun day, which we haven't done or posted at least a Friday fun day in a while. I think I can actually feel confident about posting this one. The last one we did was the Premier League midfielders, the one we posted on social media. That was like two weeks ago because that was when Liverpool won the league because we did it. Because Frank Lampard, Chelsea manager and former Chelsea player, basically won the league for Liverpool, beating Manchester City 2-1. So I thought, because Frank Lampard did that for Liverpool, we would do a tier list ranking the best midfielders in the Premier League. And Frank Lampard, if you did not know, is one of the greatest midfielders the Premier League has ever seen. Top three, I would say. I would put Skulls, Gerard, and and, uh, Lampard. Then Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira up there as well, but you can order those guys in however way you want. Those are easily the top five midfielders in Premier League history. I know in his time at Manchester United, Ronaldo was technically a midfielder, was listed as a midfielder, but he's converted to a winger and then was a striker for a little bit of his time at Manchester United before heading off to Real Madrid. But those five, pure midfielders, those are the best. You want goal scorers? Frank Lampard's your guy. If you want leadership, Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira are your guys. If you want a guy that can hit every single pass without even really trying, Paul Scholes is your guy. And if you want a little bit of scoring and a little bit of passing and a little bit of leadership, Steven Jadad is your guy. Those are easily the top five midfielders in Premier League history. But we got a good tier list today. It is over with Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots officially. I thought it'd be fun to do a Heisman Trophy winner tier list so it's all the Heisman Trophy winners from the year 2000 and on so he goes all the way from Eric Crouch all the way up to the the tiny magician Kyler Murray I don't know if I want to say I I did so it's a little too late for that now uh Joe Burrow is not on this list so it just goes from 20 or 2000 to 2018 but it's got every single Heisman Trophy winner you got you would want on here Lamar Jackson Cam is on here Manziel uh, Jason White, everybody's favorite Heisman Trophy winner. Reggie Bush, 
Derrick Henry, Troy Smith. Like, we got everybody on this list. But we got, we, got, we got more, though. And then for Friday Fun Day, we are doing the Las Vegas Raiders. I, have, I don't know why we haven't done the Raiders in the past, but I think it's an easy one to do for today. We'll get to that one towards the end of the show. We'll get the tier list in a little bit. But for the start of the show, we got to go over some scores in the world of soccer. And we have news from La Liga, the Spanish league. Real Madrid have wrapped up title number 34 in their illustrious history. Winning yesterday against Villarreal. And it didn't matter anyways, because even if they didn't win, Barcelona, they went out and lost to 18th place. Or no, not 18th, 11th place. Leganes is 18th place. And that's who Real Madrid plays in their next game. Yeah, okay. They lost to Osasuna. Okay, two to one. So if you're a Barcelona fan, yesterday was probably the worst day you've had in a very long time. Not only did Real Madrid win title number 34, beating fifth place Villarreal, and they were tied one to one at one point, but then got the late goal to win the game. And you then you end up losing to Osasuna in no world. Should Barcelona lose to Osasuna? Messi got a goal in the game in the 62nd minute. And then Torres in the 93rd minute of the game gets a late goal. Ugh. The pain for Barcelona. Now this is what you get for starting Martin Braithwaite. I know he's been good since coming over to Barcelona. But you start him over Luis Suarez. I don't know if there's any injury history with Luis. I haven't really been following Barcelona a lot this season. But, man, Martin Braithwaite should not be starting for maybe the biggest club on the planet. He lo- he washed out of Middlesbrough. I don't, th- I don't care if he's doing decent now. In no world should he be starting over Luis Suarez. Okay? That's just a given. He played a backup team, essentially. Jordi Alba didn't start. Luis Suarez didn't start. Uh, Sergio Busquets didn't start. Frankie de Jong didn't start. You could also go with Turvey Dahl didn't start, even though he's not a guaranteed starter. Arthur didn't start. So, yeah, you kind of did this to yourself. <laughs> Losing to Osasuna and sealing the 34th La Liga title for Real Madrid. Real Madrid yesterday, as we said, 2-1 versus Villarreal. Villarreal was sitting fifth in the league when this game happened. And Real Madrid just grinding out a result. Kareem Benzema scoring in the 77th minute. I guess it was 2-1. It was never 1-1. I thought it was 1-1 because on Twitter, they made it look like Kareem Benzema scored a late goal to win the game, which I guess technically he still did, but I thought they were tied before. But Kareem Benzema gets a penalty. And also scores a goal in the game. Weird see, not seeing Sergio Ramos take the penalty for Real Madrid. But, you know what? It didn't matter because it still went into the back of the net. See, Barca, Real Madrid played arguably their strongest squad. They had a front line of Hazard, Benzema, and Rodrigo. Cruz, Casemiro, Modric played. Caravajal, Varane, Ramos, Ferland Mendy, and Courtois all played. Coming off the bench, Isco. Vinicius Jr., Marco Asensio, Lucas Vasquez, uh, Valverde came off the bench. You don't play your... And they played the number five team in the league. So, I mean, it makes sense. Fifth-ranked team in the league. 
So it makes sense they play a stronger team than a team playing the 11th place team in the league. But Barca, the, all Real Madrid had to do was have a Barcelona loss and they would have won the league. They didn't even really need to win. If to, if my, Yeah, they did. They needed to win. But a Barcelona loss sealed it for them. And that's exactly what happened. So congratulations to Real Madrid on winning their 34th La Liga title. Now looking over in Syria, nothing's really going on here, to say the least. No games really going on right now. It's pretty uneventful right now. As we said, Lazio in fourth place. Because remember we talked about this the other day with Inter. They were going to be playing Spall. So I was like, Lazio are going to be in fourth place. Worst title challenge of all time. You start the re- you end the season in second. The restart comes. Now you're in fourth with the worst form of a lot of teams in Europe. Their last four games, they've lost three of them. And then drew their last one to, if I got this right, 16th place Udinese, who have allowed 46 goals this season. Only have 36 points on the season. Lost 15 games this year. Lazio drew with them. And now are stuck in fourth. Because you got at, above them are Atalanta, who are the one of the second highest scoring team in Europe this year with 93 goals. And then Inter, who are one of the better teams in Syria. They won 4-0 against Spall. Unsurprisingly, Spall are the worst team in the league, allowing 62 goals with only 19 points to their name this season. Them and Brescia are too far back of Lecce to worry, to even think about staying up this season. But yeah, Inter won 4-0 yesterday to get themselves up into second place in Serie A. But again, Juventus have pretty much got this thing on lockdown. On Sunday, we will see Inter be playing Roma. That will be a very, very exciting game. Napoli will be playing Udinese. Fiorentina versus Juventus City rivals, Torino, Saturday, AC Milan versus Bologna, Atalanta will be playing Verona, and for the two teams that were formerly on top of the league, Lazio will be playing Juventus, which a lot of people, including myself, thought this would basically be, oh, the final nail, the title race right here, Juventus versus Lazio, Lazio are going to beat Juventus to the Serie A title this year. (sighs) <sighs> nope. Decide just not to show up during the restart. Juventus, to their own credit, haven't been playing that great, especially in the last three games. They lost and drew two. They're, they, Lazio had a chance, but they've lost three of their last four games. And if you lose, you don't gain any points. So, what happened? Lazio dropped all the way to fourth place and are no longer challenging Juventus for the Serie A title. Then moving on to the Premier League, Manchester United won 2-0 yesterday, remains still in fifth. Based on goal differential, Leicester City beat Sheffield United 2-0 yesterday. Everton and Aston Villa drew 1-1, and Southampton and Brighton also drew 1-1. So Aston Villa and Bournemouth in 18th and 19th place, both on 31 points this season, are three points back of Watford and West Ham, who play each other today. So they'll be three points back, or four, of the next closest team. Because one of these teams, they're either going to lose 
or draw <laughs> or win if you want to go like that. But lose and draw is better. It's more fun to say it like that. But yeah, they play each other today, so one of these teams will end up with a loss or a win or both of them with a draw. So they still have a chance to come back. Bournemouth with that random, very, very random win against Leicester the other week, uh, this last weekend. Winning 4-1. to one. Who saw that coming? They were done and out. Who thought they were actually going to be challenging any, th- any team to actually stay out? I thought they were done. But watching them play Manchester United, they just basically checked out of the game. It's like, ah, they're done. Don't need to worry about them anymore. Yeah, but no, there's... They're still kicking it, still trying, na- biting, to- biting tooth and nail to stay up in the Premier League. And keeping it in England, we haven't really touched on this league that much, but the championship. Uh, Leeds United are one point away from returning to the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. And this is important to me, not only because they're hated rivals with Manchester United, but also because this was my soccer team name when I was younger. We were Leeds United. My team was Leeds. The team below us was United and then competitive. So we were on Premier and I was on Leeds. I started weekend game in and game out for Leeds. I used to be good at soccer. Soccer was my uh, probably my best sport. That and I was that baseball were probably my two best sports. But baseball is a different story cuz Okay, I'll go, I'll go into the bat. I know you're clamoring for my baseball story. But uh, I was at the bat. This is early, early. This is like an elementary school. I played for the Orioles. My nickname going this, you can believe this or not, is, or was, not anymore, Sammy Sosa. Lifelong Cubs fan. Had my first baseball jersey, as we talked about when the Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire documentary came out, was a Sammy Sosa jersey from Von Maher at Valley West Mall. Begged my mom to get it. She got it. And at the time, Sosa was playing for the Orioles. So, naturally, I got called Sammy Sosa. I could hit the crap out of a ball. It was very fast. Still still decently fast. Not as fast as I used to be, but was fast. I'm I'm talking about I was faster two years ago. I'm faster than I was at that time. Let's just say, let's get that out of the way first. But I was up to bat, cranked a ball right up the middle of the field, drilled the pitcher right in the face. And knocked him out. And then I couldn't... I The bat never left my shoulder after that, pretty much. I just wouldn't swing. So after that, I quit baseball. I played one more year. I played for the Twins. And after that, I was done. I checked out. I couldn't do it anymore. My dad said I told him I don't want to hurt anybody anymore. Which is sad and go, oh, for the little kid out there. But baseball is arguably my best sport. And soccer... I played that all the way through high school. I didn't really care. I got my I got my first ever yellow card my last game in high school. <laughs> first one ever. I pushed a little prick from Ankeny Centennial. I don't know what his name was, but they switched him to the other side of the field the second half. Because when you get a yellow card, uh, you have to sit out the rest of the half. And uh, the second half started, they moved him to the left side of the field. Because I was playing left back. They moved him from right mid to left mid. Because it was funny because the coach of Anthony Centennial was one of my old coaches at JUSC. Like in the early years of JUSC. So I knew him. He knew me. So he put him on the other side of the field, which was kind of funny. But yeah, Leeds United. Almost going to be back in the Premier League. Need one more game, one more win, and they're back. 
which will be fun. Want to see Manchester United crap on Leeds this year? Maybe take Calvin Phillips away or Ben White. I mean, I guess Ben White's technically on loan from Brighton, but I'd take him. He's, he's a good player. You see former NYCFC forward Jack Harrison playing for Leeds United week in and week out. But yeah, Leeds United, 87 points right now, almost back in the Premier League. And Brentford are one point behind second place West Bromwich Albion and have won every game, it seems like, since the restarts happened. Brentford, 81 points, have eleven, have a plus 11 goal differential better than that of West Bromwich Albion, who have drawn 16 games, which is also seven more than Brentford. So we will see what happens with that because it's going to get exciting. West Brom play Huddersfield who are in 20th place, so you expect them to get the three points in this game, going 85 points of the season. In Brentford, they will be playing Stoke City, who are also towards the bottom of the league at 17th with 50 points. Two teams that were very much recently in the Premier League are now at the bottom parts of the championship. And Hull City, good Lord, they got absolutely thrashed 8-0 the other day against Wigan Athletic. And it's not like Wigan are the cream of the crop in the championship. They're in 13th place. It was 7-0 at halftime. They laid off the gas, I guess, because they only won 8-0. Goals allowed, Hull City have allowed 83 goals. Barnsley, the team in last place in the prim- in the championship, have allowed 68 goals. Hull have allowed 83. <laughs> Goodness gracious. That is a lot of goals to give up. Good Lord. I'm really hoping, though, in the championship. So, for those of you who don't know, the championship, the top two teams get automatic promotion. And three through six play each other in the championship playoffs to get promotion to the Premier League. So, they go through a playoff structure. So, the team in sixth, which right now is Cardiff, could be moving up to the Premier League. I really hope, though, in a perfect world, Leeds goes up. Manchester United craps on him again. And then Brentford passed West Brom. And then Millwall, who sit in seventh place, one of the older clubs in all of England, legendary club, not really as trophy-wise, but their fans provide a nice little reputation for them, I guess you could say. They're in seventh, two points behind Cardiff right now. And Cardiff will play Middlesbrough, who sit 18th, and Millwall will play Queens Park Rangers, who sit 16th. Now, also, I would really like to see Nottingham Forest go up. They've won two European Cups. Not a lot of teams can say that, but Nottingham Forest are sitting down in the championship on 70 points, sitting fifth place in the league. So if you get the likes of Leeds, Nottingham Forest, I know it won't happen like this. Leeds, Nottingham Forest, and Millwall, they all won't go up because Nottingham Forest and Millwall are not fighting for second place. So one of them... They'll have to play each other in the championship playoffs if this does work out like this. But yeah, that's the championship. Exciting times in the championship. I really kind of want, want to see Millwall in the Premier League. I know it probably won't happen, but if not them, I'd like to see Nottingham Forest. Then Brentford, I'd like them to get past West Brom, who have drawn their last two games to get into the Premier League. Because there's a YouTuber I watch. He said that if Brentford get promoted, he's going to get a tattoo of Swedish defender Pontus Janssen somewhere on his body. So, I'm really hoping that Brentford get promoted to the Premier League. That'd be really, really funny. And Ollie Watkins, 
is the top scorer in the championship with 25 goals for Brentford. He's been playing out of his mind this season. Brentford have scored 79 goals, and they have three players in the top 10 of scoring in the championship. So you obviously got Ollie Watkins. You got Ben Rama, who have 17 goals a season, and Mubueno, Mubuemo, who sits ninth with 15 goals. So a very exciting time in the championship as we speak. Before we get into our tier list, Joey Badass released a little album, if you want to call it an album, a track list type thing. I don't really know what you want to call it because it's not an it's it's not an album. He said don't call it an EP, so I don't really know what to call it. It's three songs. Uh, the Light Pack, I would very much recommend listening to it. You got The Light, No Explanation, featuring Pusha T and Shine. The Light is personally my favorite one. He also got a music video for that, so go and watch that one as well. But it is very, very, very nice. Very nice. And I'm guessing you've noticed this by now. If you're Well, I guess if you're waiting for the YouTube video. There is no YouTube video today. Uh, it's hard to find time to make videos for this because I'm working, so I don't really have a lot of time to edit the videos. So it just it just takes a very, very long time. Editing videos and exporting videos is not a very short task where I can just go like, okay, yep, it's done. No, it takes for freaking ever. Every single time I do it, it takes forever. I think I just need to get my computer cleaned. I think that's the main source of my problems here. But yes, no video today. We said we'd have a video today on Wednesday, but it just didn't work out like that. So here we are with no video for the second straight day. I said Logan Blackman show would have a video. IndyCar race is also this weekend, so make sure you watch the IndyCar race at the Iowa Speedway. Races Friday and Saturday. My dad and I will be going to the Friday race, and I'll be taking a friend on Saturday. But it's fun. IndyCar race is the best race at the Iowa Speedway. I love IndyCar. Been to every race since I, I missed one because we were at the Minnesota tournament up in Blaine, Minnesota for JUSC when I was on Leeds. Speaking of that, I missed one race, the entirety of it going there, and it's awesome every single time. But let, enough dilly dallying. We're going to run out of time today because I keep forgetting that we got only an hour. We don't do two hour long shows anymore. If I did a two hour long show, this would be easy. But I've got two things that usually take up a fair amount of time on the Logan Blackman show in Friday Fun Day and Top 5 Dumbest. But thankfully, next Friday, no Top 5 Dumbest because it's every other week. So, we've got this. So, the GOAT, here's the tiers for it. GOAT, greats, good, average, fluke. And here are your Heisman Trophy winners. For those of you who don't know, again, it goes from 2000, or 2001 all the way to 2018, my bad. So you got Eric Crouch from Nebraska, Carson Palmer, Jason White. If you don't know who Jason White is, don't blame you. Didn't have an NFL career. Knees made of fiberglass, pretty much. Um, yeah, quarterback from Oklahoma. Then you have Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Troy Smith, Tim Tebow, Sam Bradford, Mark Ingram, Cam Newton, RG3, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Derek Henry, Lamar Jackson, Baker, and Kyler Murray. I think the GOATs on this tier list are Cam Newton winning a national championship at Auburn, putting up godly numbers while playing in his one season at Auburn, transferring from Florida to Blinn to then uh, Auburn, where he threw 2,800 yards, ran for 1,400 yards, 30 passing touchdowns, 20 rushing touchdowns, while completing 66% of his passes. And again, can't stress this enough, a national championship game. I think you also got to throw Tim Tebow up there. He's the first sophomore to ever win 
the Heisman Trophy, winning it back in 2007. Like, Tim Tebow was amazing at Florida. Like, he did the same things that Cam Newton pretty much did before Cam Newton, because Cam Newton was his backup at Florida. For Actually, he was third string. John Brantley, I think, was the backup at Florida at that time. Uh, 2007, though, when he won the Heisman, 3,200 yards, 32 touchdowns, passing, six interceptions, less than what Cam had, with 895 rushing yards and 23 rushing touchdowns, while also completing 66% of his passes. And he did great things throughout the rest of his Florida career. Passing yards went down, touchdowns went down, but completion percentage in his senior year went up to a 70%. Completed 21, uh, 21 touchdown passes, 910 rushing yards, and 14 rushing touchdowns. I think he was a three was he only a two-time Heisman finalist or was he a three-time Heisman finalist? He was a three-time Heisman finalist, but he was, Tim Tebow was awesome in college. Absolutely amazing. Do I want to put anybody else up in GOAT tier? I think Johnny Manziel could be thrown up in GOAT. He's the first freshman to win a Heisman Trophy win, Heisman Trophy. And basically paving the way for Jameis Winston to win it the very next year as a freshman. But Johnny Manziel did it first. And Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, the one of the I, you can't stretch the, his stuff in Texas A&M was so good. His freshman year, he was a ba- he was basically everything. His ju- his sophomore year, he became more of a passer. He his passing numbers went up, completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, quarterback rating all shot up. Rushing numbers went down, but that's because he was trying to throw the ball a lot more. 4,100 yards his sophomore year, 37 touchdowns, 759 rushing yards, 9 touchdowns. But the year he won the Heisman, 3,700 yards, 26 passing touchdowns, 1,400 rushing yards, and 21 rushing touchdowns, completed 68% of his passes. Johnny Manziel is one of the GOATs of college football. Uh, Now we're going to go down to great. I think Baker Mayfield has to go down in the great category because Baker Mayfield, much like Tim Tebow, was a three-time Heisman finalist in the first wa- or was it the first walk-on or second walk-on to win a Heisman Trophy? I think it was the first one. I think it was the first one to win a Heisman. But the year he won it, 43 passing touchdowns, 4,600 passing yards, completed 70% of his passes. Three years at Oklahoma, completed 68% of his passes or more, threw 3,700 yards or more, threw 36 or more touchdown passes. Every single year. Never threw above 10 interceptions. One of the greatest college careers ever. And that's one where you can't, like, Baker Mayfield's one of the greats. You have to put him in the great category. That dude was amazing at Oklahoma. Dude did so many great things while playing for the Oklahoma Super. We just read out his stats. He was consistently awesome. Consistently awesome. Cam, the... The thing that separates him from being in the GOATS category, Newton and Tebow were national champions, and Johnny Manziel was the first freshman to ever do it. Jim Tebow was the first sophomore to do it. I know you could go with Baker's the first uh, walk-on to do it, so why aren't you putting him up there? Well, sorry. It's my list. Uh, Next one I will throw up in the GREATS category is this little guy known by... Lamar Jackson. I have never seen a more electrifying player in college football in my life than Lamar Jackson. In his when he won the Heisman, 3500 yards, 30 touchdowns, 1500 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns. Now, he didn't complete a high percentage of his passes, but his next year, passing-wise, 
And just basically, almost every number got better his next season. Threw more passes, completed more of them, uh, had a higher completion percentage, more passing yards. Now, he did have less touchdowns, but he had more rushing yards on less attempts. Averaging 6.9 yards per attempt from his 6.0 from the season prior. Dude was awesome. Next one, Marcus Mariota. People forget some, well, not, maybe they don't forget, but Marcus Mariota was freaking awesome at, te- at Oregon. Everybody wanted to watch the Oregon Ducks when Marcus Mariota was playing. When he won the Heisman, 4,400 4, yards passing, 42 touchdowns, four picks, 770 rushing yards, and 15 rushing touchdowns. Everybody was watching the Oregon Ducks when Marcus Mariota was playing. Everybody was watching them. He was freaking amazing at Oregon. He was awesome. There's no other way to put it. Marcus Mariota was awesome at Oregon. Absolutely awesome. Who else do I want to put up in the greats category? There's a couple people that I'm thinking about throwing up in the greats. I got to check this dude. See, remember remember his stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got to throw Sam Bradford up in the greats. When he won the Heisman, 4,700 passing yards, 50 passing touchdowns, 50 with only eight interceptions. Now, he didn't play a lot his junior year, but his his freshman year, 3,100 yards, 36 touchdowns, eight picks. I believe he was a Heisman finalist there as well. But the 2008 Heisman race is one of the greatest races in college football because of the people that were in it. Sam Bradford, Colt McCoy, and Tim Tebow easily the three best quarterbacks in college football at that time. You feel hard. You feel kind of bad for Colt McCoy because he never got a Heisman, being how great he was at Texas. But those Tim Tebow and Sam Bradford were just amazing. And it was kind of a, a scare coming from his junior year, leaving early for the NFL after playing only three games. And then his entire career was pretty much mauled by, oh, wait, what am I doing? Reggie Bush goes up in GOAT category as well. I, don't, I didn't even see Reggie Bush. Do I, I'm not even going to explain Reggie Bush. I know he doesn't technically have his Heisman, but he has to go up in goats. I can't not put him up in goats. Uh, who else do I want to throw in on the what was that next year? The grades category. Almost forgot what category it was. There's a lot of great players on here. It's hard. It's so hard to rank these guys. Um, I got to put up this guy in the greats category. Derrick Henry has to go up in the greats when he was at Alabama the year he won the Heisman. 2,200 rushing yards, 28 rushing touchdowns. That's at 2,200 yards as a running back. That is insane. That is an insane number of yards. 28 touchdowns to couple with that. Average 5.6 yards per attempt. So when you hand him off, when you hand the ball off to Derrick Henry twice, you get a first down. You get over a first down. All he has to do is takes two runs from Derrick Henry and you got a first down. That's awesome. Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs I've seen in college football. Next quarterback we want to talk about on here uh, has to be Matt Leiner. Matt Leiner goes in the greats category as well. National champ, uh, did some amazing things while playing for the USC Trojans. Consistent, 38 touchdowns. Now, he gradually got worse passing touchdowns-wise, but his yards went up, completion percentage went up, but touchdowns went down. But 3,500 yards, 3,300 yards, 3,800 yards. Won the Heisman in 2004, 33 touchdowns and six interceptions, completing 65% of his passes. Won the Rose Bowl that year, was a national champion, 
even though it was vacated, whatever. I mean, we could probably throw him up in the greats. Tim T or Matt Liner was freaking awesome. Ah, we'll keep him down in the greats category. We'll keep him down in the greats. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't really put him up there with the likes of Cam and Tebow and Manziel as regards to their Heisman seasons. Matt Leinart was had a good Heisman season, but he's a great college quarterback, so we'll keep him in the the great category. Um, next one, do we want to throw on here? We'll throw. Ah, where do I want to put Jameis? That's a problem here because he was the second ever freshman to win a Heisman Trophy, second ever. But let's look at uh, Mark Ingram, sixteen hundred yards, seventeen touchdowns. Only really had that one good season at Alabama. Struggled with injuries his last year at 900, 903 yards rushing his last year at Bama. Has been very consistent, very durable while playing in the NFL. But, yeah, we have to rank him down a little bit. Oh, wait, no. There was a guy on here that I, I didn't even see him on the list, but he is on here. Uh, Chris Winkie. Chris Winkie goes in the flute category. This dude was 28 years old when he won the Heisman that I don't care he led the nation in passing 4,100 yards uh won the Davey O'Brien won the Heisman award won the Johnny Unitas award won the national championship against uh was it against Virginia Tech wasn't it no they lost to Oklahoma with Jason White <laughs> there 28 years old I don't count that if dude is playing with kids that are 18, 19, 20, this dude is almost 30 <laughs> playing with college kids. He's 10 years old than most freshmen coming into college. That's stupid. He goes in the flute category. I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care. Next one in good uh, RG3, I think has to go in the good categories. He battled a lot of injuries while playing at Baylor, but dude was freaking awesome. Everybody loved the Baylor Bears when he was there. When he won the Heisman, uh, 4,200 yards, 37 touchdowns, 699 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah, it was a really good Baylor team. It was like the most, the best Baylor team ever. RG3, the greatest Baylor Bear of all time, the first Baylor Bear to win the Heisman Trophy, but he'll just go down and good with Mark Ingram. Next one on this list that we are going to talk about. Let's go with Carson Palmer, future number one overall pick, NFL vet. One of the few, it feels like, USC quarterbacks to actually do anything in the NFL. Now, Palmer played five years in college. Played five years. And his only last year was the one where he actually did anything of note. But he won an Orange Bowl that year, beat Iowa, beat Brad Banks to the Heisman Trophy that year. Even though he won the Heisman Trophy, he did not win the Davey O'Brien Award, which got handed to Brad Banks. Brad Banks was the 2001 Davey or 2002 whatever most value or Davey O'Brien Award winner. He was the Associated Press Player of the Year. Every award that usually goes to a Heisman Trophy winner, Brad Banks won, except for the Heisman Trophy, which is sad for Brad Banks and the Iowa Hawkeyes. But Carson Palmer. Just was all right at USC. Got the number one overall pick, but yeah. Let's put him down there. Next one on here. I think I, Jason White's a tough one. Because Jason White, 40 touchdowns in 2003, 35 the next year. Won the Heisman Trophy in 2003, where he threw 3,800 yards, 
Completed 61% of his passes. I think we'll throw him up in the good category because he was he was really good. <laughs> but he just never played the NFL because, again, he had knees made of glass. He just couldn't do anything. Knees made of paper. Like, I don't even think he, he didn't even get a chance in the NFL because of how injury-prone or how bad his knees were, which is sad. It's very, very sad to see that. But, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. Uh, next one on here is Kyler Murray. I'm going to throw him in the good category because he wasn't as good as these quarterbacks on the greats. I'm going to throw him up as, like, the top quarterback on the good category because Kyler only played one year, really, at Oklahoma. Now, he did break a Big 12 record in quarterback rating with 199.2. He led the na- he led the Big Twelve in completion percentage, yards, and passing touchdowns. Uh, he had a thousand yards rushing, twelve rushing touchdowns. Do we throw him up in the greats category? Because Kyler Murray was freaking awesome. Do we put him in the greats, or do we just keep him down in good? Because Oklahoma didn't really do it they, when they went to the college football playoff. They didn't challenge anybody. They sucked in the college football playoff. I think they got who they draw against Alabama. I don't remember who they played. I just remember they got absolutely slacked by <laughs> by whoever they played. I don't remember who it was, though. Uh, next one on here is Troy Smith, Ohio State quarterback, won the Heisman Trophy in 2006. In that year, 2,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. He'll just go up in the average category. Didn't do anything really that spectacular playing for Ohio State. And in his that year, he also ran for 20, 228 yards, which is way down from the season before, but he wanted to become more of a passer. Passing touchdowns went up, yards went up, police percentage went up. But yeah, he's just and compared to all the other quarterbacks on here, Troy Smith doesn't go like, oh wow, I remember I remember love I loved watching Troy Smith. Which I really did like watching Troy Smith, but I wouldn't go, oh I everybody the nation was captivated by Troy Smith. Not really. It's not like Mariota or Tim Tebow or Cam Newton or RG3 or uh, Johnny Manziel. We're like, oh, man, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner. Where it's like, ah, oh, man, I love this team. Troy Smith was just like, ah, okay. He's good. He's very, very good. It's not saying he's not a good quarterback. He won 90, 91% of the votes. It's not saying he wasn't a good quarterback. Let's not get that twisted. But compared to the other Heisman winners on this list, I got to put him down in average next one on here that I'm going to talk about I'm struggling with this one the most is Jameis Winston Jameis I remember watching his first game in college it was against Pitt because I was a big Pitt Panthers fan when I was younger Bill Stoll was one of my favorite college quarterbacks of all time don't know why but he was I love Pitt I loved LaShawn McCoy still love LaShawn McCoy I remember watching them play Cincinnati in Pittsburgh with Cincinnati winning with Tony Pike finding Marty Gilliard in the end zone to beat Pittsburgh for the Big East Championship game to play Florida in the Sugar Bowl. I loved watching Pitt football. And then you had Tino Sinceri coming after Bill Stoll, and then you had the GOAT. I mean, it wasn't right after, but the GOAT Nathan Peterman was eventually there. But this game against Pence, against Pittsburgh, Florida State versus Pitt, Jameis Winston throws one incomplete pass the entire game, if my memory serves me right. He might have gone 100% completion percentage in that game. But in his freshman year, went to a national championship game, won a Heisman, won said national championship game against Auburn. Yeah, I have to throw him up in the greats. Jameis Winston, freshman, Heisman Trophy winner, winning a national championship. He has to go up in the greats. Next one here, the hardest one for me 
to grade, not just because he's a Nebraska guy, but because out of all of the other quarterbacks on this list, now I'm just, I'm just double-checking here, he won the least amount of votes out of everybody. He won 27.75% of the votes. He, now he was the Heisman Trophy winner from Nebraska, put up insane numbers rushing the ball, but throwing the ball, he wasn't the best at, which you can find in a lot of different uh, high, uh, triple option quarterbacks. Not necessarily the greatest throwing the ball, but they're extremely athletic. Uh, he's a Nebraska career total offense leader with 7,915 7, yards, 13th player in NCAA history to pass for 1,000 in a season, rush and pass for 1,000 in a season, which he ran for 1,500, or threw for 1,500, ran for 1,100, had 18 rushing touchdowns to only seven passing touchdowns with 10 interceptions. And he won the Davey O'Brien Award. Now, I don't know how this dude won the Davey O'Brien Award Completing 55% of his passes and throwing seven touchdowns and eight, 10 interceptions. But that's, that's just me. But he did good things. He was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year um, in 2001. Walter Camp Award winner. Uh, he was the Fiesta Bowl MVP in 2000. But, yeah, I think I'm just going to throw him down. And add, I, don't, I don't know. I can't put him above. I don't know if I can put him really above. He's, he's a different quarterback than all the other quarterbacks on this list. He's a triple option quarterback. So his passing numbers are not going to be anywhere near the rest of these guys on this list. But his rushing numbers, if you look at the he's very comparable to Tim Tebow, to Newton, to Lamar Jackson, Johnny Manziel, those guys. But the passing number, I, I, it's, this is why it's hard, because he's a triple option quarterback. The only one on this list. So it's impossible to really judge him comparatively to the other quarterbacks that put up 5,000 passing yards while also going up for 1,500 rushing yards. Now, none of these guys have those numbers, but they have a high number of passing yards, high completion percentages, but he's a triple option quarterback. Man, I don't know. So here's the tier list again before we get into our um, top five dumbest. Goats, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, Johnny Manziel, and Reggie Bush. Greats, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Marcus Mariota, Sam Bradford, Derek Henry, Matt Leinart, Kyler and Jameis. I think I'm going to throw Kyler down to good. I ah, Kyler's the hardest one. Uh, one of the hardest ones. Him and Eric Crouch. Good. Mark Ingram, RG3, Matt Leiner, Jason White. Average, Troy Smith, Eric Crouch, and then Fluke, just because he was freaking 28 years old, Chris Winkie. NFL legend playing for the Carolina Panthers. That's subject to change, but I'll make sure to post that one. Actually post that one on Twitter, so make sure... You stay out looking for that. Eric Crouch is so hard to, to guess, though, because because of the fact he... Uh, it's so hard to put Eric Crouch on this list. I don't know what to do with Eric Crouch. Because, again, his passing numbers aren't great because he was a triple option quarterback. They don't need to be great. And in that year, 2001, they went 11-2. and They lost in the BCS National Championship game to Miami, so they went to a National Championship game. Lost to Miami. And yeah, it's, I don't know. We'll think about it in a little bit. We'll come back and fit We'll, we'll tighten it up a little bit uh, when we finish today's show, which we got about 15, uh, 20, 15, 20 minutes left around that. Yeah. So let's get in our top five dumbest with the Las Vegas, the Oakland, the Los Angeles Raiders, whatever you want to call them. They've done dumb things throughout their history. And surprisingly, 
the one thing that could be uh, one of the very bad things, or if anybody else did this, it would be seen as a like very bad, very, very, very bad. Drafting a kicker and a punter in the first round. This isn't on the list because for a while, Ray Guy and Sebastian Janikowski, though in different eras, were the best players on the freaking Raiders. And according to Madden, for a while, Sebastian Janikowski and Shane Leckler were the two best players on the Raiders by a wide margin. Now, speaking of Madden, that kind of reminds me, uh, Michael Thomas was revealed to be the last member of the 99 club. So there's five players in the 99 club. Patrick Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Michael Thomas now, Aaron Donald, and Stephon Gilmore. Now, he rose to the Madden rankings on Wednesday, but Michael Thomas very much deserving at the 99 club based off the season that he had last year. Get, some are even talking about him going to the MVP. So makes sense to have him in the 99 club. But none of these guys are anything on these stuff the Raiders did in their history. So let's start off with number five. And this is basically, it's a lot like the Washington Redskins where a lot of this stuff takes place in the 2000s. Because Al Davis was growing older, kind of seemed to lose his step a little bit, still did the odd thing that made the Raiders so popular back when they were winning Super Bowls with Jim Plunkett and having the greatest quarterback in there, Ken Stabler, and having all these guys like Bo Jackson in their history, Jerry Porter. Like, they just got some legendary players in the 20th century. But 21st century, uh, it's it's been pretty hard for the Oakland Raiders. And number five on here is the handling of Randy Moss, one of the only first ballot Hall of Fame wide receivers in NFL history. Moss put up amazing numbers while playing for the Minnesota Vikings, but then, like, had a fallout with the Vikings, if I remember, and then went to the Oakland Raiders struggled in his last season in Minnesota and in Oakland he put up a grand total this is receiving yards in two years 1500 yards five touchdowns 1558 yards to be exact so Randy Moss one of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history gets traded in the NFL draft after the Raiders just selected this big-armed quarterback basically another version of Dante Culpepper Big guy, cannon arm. Like, this is another Dante Culpepper for Randy Moss. And they trade Randy Moss to the evil empire known as the New England Patriots for basically nothing. Now, I'm aware Randy Moss did not have the great success while playing in Oakland. But, man, New England fleece a fourth-round selection for a first-ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver. And the, crazy, the sad part about this is that the first year out of Oakland, Randy Moss gets 23 receiving touchdowns, an NFL record, and 1,400 yards. That 1,400 yards and 23 touchdowns, the yards are almost more than what he had in two full seasons in Oakland, and the touchdowns don't even rival it. He had 11 receiving touchdowns in Oakland. He had 23 in one year with the New England Patriots. And he had 11 with Matt Castle as his starting quarterback. First ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver, got absolutely screwed in Oakland playing with Kerry frickin' Collins. And then his next year in Oakland, that was his first year in Oakland, next year he was stuck with the likes of Aaron Brooks, Marquise Tiasapo, and Andrew Walter. It's Randy Moss we're talking about here. And these are the players you link them up with. Now you see why Sebastian Janikowski and Shane Leckler were the two best players on the Oakland Raiders for a while in Madden. 
Uh, next one on the list, uh, number four, so number five is Randy Moss, the handling of Randy Moss. Uh, number four, hiring the ex- inexperienced Lane Kiffin to run this garbage franchise at this point in time. Art Shell just got fired as the head coach after a 2-14 and season. So what do, they, what do the Raiders do? And Al Davis, throughout his history as the Oakland Raiders owner and manager and everything else, had the love for doing things that no one else would do. Things that not a lot of people, it would not make sense for them to do. Like drafting a punter and a kicker in the first round. Like who does that other than Al Davis? Al Davis was a renegade of the NFL. Oh, I didn't even realize this, but when the when the Raiders drafted Jamarcus Russell, they had Dante Culpepper on the roster. I did not know that. That's actually really funny that I brought that up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Lane Kiffin, in his time prior to becoming the Oakland Raiders head coach, here's his head coaching experience. <clears throat> nothing. Yeah, nothing. He had no head coaching experience. Didn't even coach on an NFL sideline, really. When he first started, he was the OQC. What is even what even is that? A quality control assistant for the Jacksonville Jaguars for one year in 2000 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Offensive quality control, quality control assistant. That is the experience he had on an NFL sideline. Prior to that, or after that, he was the USC tight end coach, the wide receivers coach, then passing game and offensive coordinator. Then that gives him the the leverage to get a job in the NFL. Now, granted, he got them two more wins than they had the season before. Got them a four and twelve, and then Al Davis really wanted him gone. Kiffin wouldn't leave, so then they finished. They started the next season one and three, and then Kiffin was out the door. It doesn't. It's yeah. It's just not great. Kiffin had a lot of really weird situations early on in his career the Raiders situation the leaving Tennessee for USC situation I mean, he's a Nebraska guy what do you expect <laughs> but the Oakland Raiders thing with Lane Kiffin just did not work out Dave like listen to this at a televised news conference announcing the firing Davis called Kiffin a flat-out liar and said he was guilty of bringing disgrace to the organization Bringing disgrace to the organization. Good Lord. <laughs> that That's not great. That is not great. So, yeah, in his two years, or one in, one in one-third season, one in one-quarter season with the Raiders, finished one, five and 15. Not very good. No head coaching experience prior brought disgrace to the organization and is now the head coach of Ole Miss before being at after being at Florida Atlantic. Number three, the Super Bowl MVP signings. Again, this is a situation of Al Davis being that renegade person that would do things that not a lot of other people would do. Everybody's out to get the Raiders. That's how it looks every time with Al Davis. And he did things, again, that not a lot of people did. Which, credit to him, because it's, I I don't really know. (laughs) It's, interesting i guess but you have these super bowl mvps in the form of desmond howard 
and Larry Brown. Neither one of these guys deserved these contracts anyways. Dude, Desmond Howard was a kick returner and a punt returner. He lasted two seasons in Oakland. They tried to make him a wide receiver. It did not work. He had a grand total of 751 receiving yards with two receiving touchdowns. Granted, he had the second, like, and up until that point, he had the most kick returns yardage in his career. I guess that's punt returns. That's not even, like, you went out to get a punt return. Not a lot of people do that. Super Bowl MVP went out to get a punt return. Good job. He had two total return touchdowns in his time in Oakland. He had three, or no, he had four total returns in his last season in Green Bay. He had two his entire time in Oakland. He had two the season prior to that with Jacksonville, then six, then two, then one, and then zero. So that's a punt returner. Super Bowl MVP, questionable, but not not the smartest thing in the world. The worst one was Larry Brown. And there's an old adage in the NFL. I don't know if anybody's ever... Uh, you've, had, you've had to heard this at least once. The best corner in the NFL when Deion Sanders was playing, the second best corner in the NFL was when Deion Sanders was playing was the corner opposite of him. Because Deion didn't... It made the other corners look good because no one ever tried to challenge Deion Sanders. No one threw to Deion Sanders' side. He's the first true lockdown corner in NFL history. The greatest cornerback of all time. I don't think a lot of people have a lot of... Other, other things to say about Deion Sanders other than that. So Larry Brown on the Dallas Cowboys, Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers, against the guy we talked about like a month ago, Neil O'Donnell, remember when we brought him up with the Jets? Was the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Basically, in the Super Bowl, not basically, this is what happened, Larry Brown got two interceptions in the game. Go watch the highlights of Larry Brown versus the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl. They are the easy, if he didn't catch the ball, it hit him in the chest. Like, you could not ask for a, a defender to pick off a ball more than Neil Dodd. Like, here, just take the ball away. I don't want it anymore. That was basically that, which got Larry Brown a nice five-year, $12.5 million contract with $3.5 million guaranteed to sign with the, new, the Oakland Raiders that offseason. In his time in Oakland, Larry Brown played only 12 games and started one. So he basically spent his entire time as a backup. He had 20, his career, in Oakland, he had a career of 26 tackles. In two years, started one game, played 12 games. Um, Yeah, one of the worst free agent signings of all time. Here's a little quote from this. Brown became a free agent immediately after a Super Bowl MVP performance and used his award as leverage to sign a lucrative contract with the Oakland Raiders on February 20th, 1996. In 97, he was demoted to a backup role and suspended for four weeks by the team for, quote, conduct detrimental to the team. On June 3rd, 1998, he was waived after being a disappointment in playing only 12 games, starting one in two years for the Raiders. They did Super Bowl MVPs. Like you, know, like, you didn't see a lot of people clamoring to get Andre Iguodala after he won an NBA MVP. Super Bowl MVP. It's like getting someone fresh off a World Cup appearance. Like Dennis Cherishev. Like, oh, I'm going to go out and get him. Now, he didn't move anywhere. He was already in La Liga. He, was on, he used to be on the books of Real Madrid. So, people knew who he was. But no one went out to get him because it was just one tournament. Robin Olsen, Sweden's goaltender. 
had a great World Cup. Sweden made it all the way to the quarterfinals. They're a great tournament. He gets a big money move to Roma, and then this year he's not even on the team anymore. He's on loan the entire season. They went and got Paul Lopez from Real, uh, Real Betis, I believe, to replace him the year after they signed him. Like, performing well in these kind of games, like a Super Bowl MVP or a World Cup or an NBA Finals or something like that, can get these guys big deals. James Rodriguez got a huge deal to Real Madrid after performing amazingly in the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. Like these big money moves, after these tournaments sometimes work out, you look at uh, Cleberson for Brazil when they won the World Cup, get big money move to Manchester United. Did absolutely nothing in Manchester United. More often than not, the players that win, like, are the best players of these tournaments don't really often go on to do other things. It's one game or one tournament. We got to look at what they've done there throughout their entire career and who Larry Brown was playing with at the time. Neil O'Donnell ain't going to play, throw it over to Deion Sanders' side. Granted, Neil O'Donnell's not the smartest NFL quarterback in NFL history, so it's not like it's, we're not playing against Peyton Manning here. We've got Neil O'Donnell on the side. We've already joked about him numerous times on the Logan Blackman show through the lost decade of the New York Jets. One of the lost decades. They got a lot of lost decades for the New York Jets. But yeah, 12 games, one start in two years. After a $12.5 million, five-year deal with the with the Pittsburgh. Ah, jeez. I got the two teams confused. Oakland Raiders. Number two, trading John Gruden to Tampa Bay. Now, John Gruden is not the greatest head coach in NFL history. Everybody gives him credit for developing quarterbacks. If you look at the quarterbacks he's had, they've all been wily NFL vets. You look at the one he had in Oakland, Rich Gannon. You look at the one he won a Super Bowl with in Tampa, uh, Brad Johnson. Look how he struggled with Chris Sims in Tampa, which Chris Sims not the, the greatest quarterback example, but he did not like Chris Sims. They did not have a great relationship. Maybe they do now, but as a player, you can see clips of Chris Sims getting his ass chewed by John Gruden down in Tampa. John Gruden likes these wily veterans. He's not a very good quarterback evaluator. If you look at all the draft clips that he's had and all the quarterbacks he loves, like Johnny Manziel being the prime example of one. Go back and watch that draft. He's crying out for Johnny Manziel to get picked every single pick in the draft. Go watch that. It's awesome to watch. But he's not the greatest at developing and kind of analyzing quarterback talent. But at this time, with Rich Gannon coming, Rich Gannon in the latter parts of his career was freaking awesome for the Raiders. My friend, one of my longest friends, Tyler, him and his dad, him and his family are just giant Raiders fans. My dad and his dad were best friends in high school. Big time Raiders fans. Had a Rich Gannon jersey. Wear that jersey all the time. Rich Gannon was awesome for the Oakland Raiders in the latter parts of his career. But when they go, like when Gruden was in Oakland, they had some success. They went to an AFC championship game, lost to the greatest defense of all time in the 2000s at least, not the greatest, maybe not the greatest defense of all time, but in the 21st century, there's not any defense that rivals the 2000, pay, 2000 Ravens. And then the next year, they lost in the divisional round against the Patriots on the tuck rule game, which a lot of people confuse with that being an AFC championship game, but it actually wasn't. Kind of fun fact for the day for you. But had two really good seasons, and then they trade him to Tampa Bay 
for two first, two second, and $8 million just went straight down to Al Davis. The next year, his first year in Tampa, John Gruden wins a freaking Super Bowl playing against his former team. Now, this is bad on two fronts. Why? Because, A, the Raiders were building something nice with John Gruden, and B, they didn't change the playbook after John Gruden left. John Gruden knew all the plays. So you listen to like Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and John Lynch talk about this Super Bowl. They knew everything that was coming. Rich Gannon, I think, threw five interceptions in the Super Bowl. That could be wrong, but I'm confident that he threw a crap ton of, of interceptions in the Super Bowl. There's the famous one to Derek Brooks. If you remember that one, I got to see if this is when he went to the Super Bowl. Because that was in 2002. And then you lose the Super Bowl 21 to 48. I'm scrolling down a little bit. I got to see how many interceptions he threw. If this is on here. Yeah, five interceptions. Two touchdowns, five interceptions. The, the Bucks knew it was coming every single time. And you can't be doing that with a defense that has Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, John Lynch, Simeon Rice. Like, there's st- you're not going to be able to do anything against that. And the Raiders didn't. They sucked. And that trading of John Gruden is one of the worst things that Al Davis did in the latter parts of his, of his life was training away John Gruden because they knew every single thing that was happening in that game. The red, the red, the Panthers, jeez, I'm messing up. I'm combining a bunch of different teams. The Buccaneers knew exactly what was happening. And it is the easiest Super Bowl I think a team could ever win. You have their old head coach, and I think the Raiders head coach, Bill Callahan, was his offensive coordinator prior to that. Let's see if I'm right on. I think that was right. Yeah. So he, it, Gruden was like, I know what he's going to do. Easy. It's my old offensive coordinator. He's got the same exact playbook. This is going to be the easiest Super Bowl ever, and it was. So the Raiders did not get another Super Bowl. And number one, I mean, this is the most obvious one. I didn't really want to do this, but drafting Jamarcus Russell. Um, looking back on the draft, you got two future Hall of Famers around him with uh, Calvin Johnson and Joe Thomas. So, obviously, in hindsight, you go draft those guys because they're Hall of Famers. Calvin Johnson is one of the greatest receivers in the 2010s, and Joe Thomas has the longest active streak of not missing a stat. Like, you look at some of the players they had in this draft. You got Calvin Johnson, Joe Thomas, Adrian Peterson, Patrick Willis, Marshawn Lynch, Darrell Revis. Uh, Keep going down. We've got Joe Staley a veteran in the NFL, Greg Olson, Paul Pluslesny, Eric Weddle, uh, Sidney Rice, a very talented wide receiver for a few years. The the other Steve Smith. <laughs> Ryan Khalil has been an NFL vet. Jacoby Jones, one of the best returners in the 21st century. Marshall Yonda, future Hall of Famer for the Baltimore Ravens. Like, there's so many good players in this draft class. And Jamarcus Russell went number one overall. It wouldn't be so bad if Jamarcus Russell wasn't didn't hold out for his first contract and then proceeded to not watch any film bloating up to around 300 pounds or over 300 pounds I can't remember the exact number it was so bad that when Jamarcus Russell left Tyrell Terrell Pryor who came into the Oakland Raiders to be their quarterback when he was a quarterback he was not allowed to wear number two because the head coach at the time I don't remember who it was but did not want 
anybody to wear the number two jersey because of the stain it left on the organization. That's not an exact quote, but I remember Terrell Pryor wearing number six in Oakland because the head coach would not allow him to wear number two because of how bad Jamarcus Russell was playing in Oakland. And it make it matters worse for Raiders fans. Think about this. The Green Bay Packers and Oakland Raiders were in discussions of trading Randy Moss to Green Bay. To, to trade him to Green Bay, the Packers were going to send Aaron Rodgers, who had not played in NFL any meaningful football at that time. If you look at what the Packers did the season prior to 2007, the Green Bay Packers were fresh off of, now I need to double check my sources here just to see if I'm 100% correct on this, but the Green Bay Packers finished 13-3 and that season. Trying to get Randy Moss to the team. Or we're going they finished they were going to finish 13 and 3. They didn't finish 13 and 3 yet. Because this was a 27 2007 draft. But imagine that. The Green Bay Packers finished 13 and 3 without him. Imagine him with Randy Moss. Now again, this is the last year of Brett Favre's career in Green Bay. And you had the emotional, I'm officially retiring thing. With him crying and stuff. So you did have that. So then you don't have the future for Aaron Rodgers. So maybe something else happens here with the Packers drafting quarterback in this round. Maybe they get uh, Brady Quinn in this draft instead of the Cleveland Browns. But Aaron Rodgers in Oakland, which it feels like he's going to end up there anyways. It's going to be there or New England for Aaron Rodgers, it just feels like. Or Las Vegas now, not Oakland. But Rodgers in Las Vegas... And then you, with Lane Kiffin as the head coach, and then the the Raiders draft. Now, if I'm drafting a player, I know Calvin Johnson, how great Calvin Johnson was. I'm drafting Joe Thomas. I'm sure up that left side of the O-line because after this year, where the Raiders finished a measly 4-12, they moved Robert Gallery into guard because Robert Gallery sucked as a left tackle in the NFL. This was Robert Gallery's last season pretty much as, or the season prior was the last season of tackle. Then he moved into guard. So now, you move Robert Gallery into guard, who was a very decent guard in the NFL. You move him to guard, and you get Joe Thomas to be the left tackle with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback? I'm taking that. That'd be sweet. Be an absolute coup. And you got the likes of Josh McCown there in Oakland. Dante Culpepper was there. And you have Jerry Porter still there, still kicking it. Tim Dwight is the punt returner on the team. You can go out and draft another wide receiver if your heart so desired in this 2007 draft if you really want to. Because if you look at the wide receiver class in this draft, you had Calvin Johnson, you go Ted Ginn, Dwayne Bowe, Robert Meacham is a good to decent wide receiver in the NFL. We already talked about Sidney Rice, Jacoby Jones kick return, Steve Smith, the USC one with the Giants is all right. But you got these other receivers you could go. So you may, you had the first pick of the second round. Okay, so at least I'm I'm thinking about I think so. No, they did not. Where is where was their next pick? I just assumed that because they had the number one overall pick. What was their next pick? So if they go Joe Thomas number one, they had the next pick at thirty eight. They picked Zach Miller, the tight end, who was decent in his time in Los Angeles in Oakland, had more success in Seattle than he did in uh, in Oakland. But you got him. You could have picked Sidney Rice. So if you take Joe Thomas, number one, and then the pick after you pick Zach Miller, you take Sidney Rice instead. 
You got Aaron Rodgers, Joe Thomas, and Sidney Rice. Sidney Rice battled some injuries, was a great player for the Minnesota Vikings with Brett Favre. Now he gets to play with Aaron Rodgers. And Randy Moss gets to play with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Brett Favre. So Brett Favre has a receiving core of Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, James Jones, and Randy frickin' Moss with Bubba Franks as the tight end. Ryan Grant is running back. John Kuhn, a Colt hero in Green Bay, is running back. Like that offense, good Lord, the Packers would not have not, they would not have not won a Super Bowl. That year. There's no way they would have lost to the New York Giants in the NFC Championship game if they had Randy Moss with Brett Favre on that team. But that makes it worse because not only did the Raiders draft Jamarcus Russell, they were close to having Aaron Rodgers. And that's not anything on the Raiders because the Packers denied the they canceled the trade out. They didn't take the trade, obviously, because Randy Moss ended up in New England. But man, Jamarcus Russell did absolutely nothing in Las Vegas or Los Angeles. Wait, no, Oakland. <laughs> so many freaking places. I don't know. Jamarcus Russell didn't do any. He didn't watch film. He got extremely fat, and he's the worst quarterback, the biggest bust in NFL history, some would say. Signed a massive contract when he first got in the league. Let's see if I can find the exact numbers here. Do they have the exact? Oh, yeah. Six-year contract, $68 million with $31.5 million guaranteed. He sat out until September 12th. His rookie year, he started one game, threw two touchdowns, four picks. In his career, he completed 52% of his passes, had 18 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. While getting paid a ton and bloating up to 300 pounds. Laziest quarterback in NFL history, it feels like. And, yeah. The, as a, was just the worst quarterback the Raiders could have had at that time. They're, they're, he was atrocious. I mean, it's it was easy to put him at number one. I didn't really want to, but I was like, ah, it's too easy not to put him at number one. It's the biggest, one of the biggest busts of all time, him or Ryan Leaf. Whichever one you choose, you're not really choosing the best quarterbacks of all time there. But, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. That was our Friday fun day and top five dumbest moments for today. Uh, I will be going to the Indy race tonight. I got to get ready for work now, though. And I will check out here, and I will see you guys on Monday. Peace.